You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Last week, we looked into, uh, and the week before, we looked into part one of Isaiah, which is chapters 1 through 39. And that was all about condemnation. First of all, condemnation upon Judah and Jerusalem, and then condemnation over all of the nations, and then it comes back to give condemnation upon Israel as a whole. Now, we know that Isaiah was more focused on Judah and Jerusalem, the southern kingdom, but often he would talk about the house of Jacob, all of Israel. Um, God's people are still his people, even in the northern kingdom that are uh, rebelling and have already, at this point, gone into captivity with the uh, nation of Assyria. And really, overall, it was a condemnation of pride. They were proud. They lifted themselves up. They said, we're going to do things our way. We don't need to submit ourselves to the Lord. So God condemned them for that. Part two, which is chapters 40 through 66, is all about consolation, all about comfort. And we're just going to do the first part of part two, part 2A, if you would, tonight. And that is chapters 40 through 48. And it's God giving his people consolation through restoration. He tells them, I am going to restore you. And he wants that to bring comfort to his people. Now, do you remember some of the key themes that we have gone over? Anybody at all? Raise your hand and tell me one of the, some of the key themes. Mia? Purification was one of them. How did that purification come? How was God going to bring that purification, honey? So there was the remnant, yes, but punishment is how he's going to bring that purification. He is going to, like a fire, bring in this nation through, and just like a fire can, can destroy, a fire can also purify. But it depends on how you're going to react to it, he tells his people. Are you going to react to it in pride, or are you going to react to it in humility? When that angel grabbed that coal, that symbol of fire, and put it to Isaiah's lips, it didn't, it didn't destroy him. It purified him. And he talks about purging. He talks about burning. Uh, and only this remnant is going to be left. Remember, the day of the Lord was one of those key themes. In that day, God says, in that day when my king rules over Jerusalem in righteousness and in justice, in that day there will be no pride. In that day there will be no idols. Everybody is going to worship my king that I am going to send. This future king who is going to reign in righteousness and bring peace to everybody. But here are some new key themes that we're going to be running into today and throughout the rest of the book, and I want you to write them down. If pride was a key theme of part one, humility is a key theme of part two. Humility is a key theme. Idolatry is a key theme. We're going to see that a lot tonight. Idolatry is a key theme. And the Lord introduces us to a couple more characters. The king is prominent in part one, this messianic king, this future king, very prominent in part one. In part two, we're introduced to a couple more characters in, that carry different names. And one of them is called the arm of the Lord. Another one is called God's servant. We're going to see those all throughout. And I'll, I'll do my best to point them out to you when, when they come up. 
But after 39 chapters of condemnation, chapter 40 begins with comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people. This is really the first sign of consolation that we've seen throughout the entire book, a very abrupt change. What we have in part one of Isaiah are prophecies of condemnation upon the pride of all the nations, especially Israel. Of all people, they should have known better. Of all people, they should have submitted themselves to the Lord. But their pride is going to lead them into exile, Isaiah says. It's going to lead them into exile, and only a remnant is going to be spared throughout it all. Part two of Isaiah, we have prophecies of consolation to that remnant of people that will one day return from the exile and eventually serve under this messianic king. So part one is what is leading them into exile. Part two is what is going to happen after exile. And remember that when you're reading the book of Isaiah. Part 1 through 39, this is what is leading you into exile. Part um, chapter 40 through 66, what is it going to look like after exile? And in chapter 40, verse 1 through 5, God sends a forerunner to tell people, to comfort his remnant of people that their punishment will one day end and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Now, who was that fulfilled by? John the Baptist. He was the forerunner of Christ. And he continues all the way through chapter 40 and verse 6 through 8. He says, all flesh is grass. He says that twice. All flesh is grass. Humanity has nothing to glory in, no reason to be proud. Uh, humanity will all fade away, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. Now, what is the word of the Lord saying? Well, first of all, he's saying God is coming. He says this forerunner is going to tell you that God is coming to save his people. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand. Where does it say this here? Um, the word of the Lord will come with a strong hand. Verse 10, there we go. And look at what it says after that. And his arm shall rule for him. We're going to see this all throughout and kind of keep that in your pocket because that's going to come up. Well, I'll just tell you. How does, how does Isaiah 53 begin? We're not going to get there tonight. Who hath believed our report, and unto whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? It's going to come up all throughout. Why is God coming? He says in verse 11, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm. And this is very important. And carry them in his bosom. Who is greater than God? First of all, he says God is coming. Then he tells him why he's coming. And then he asks the question, who is greater than God? God is the creator. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. In verse 15, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. Verse 17, all nations before him are as nothing. They are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. And yet, Israel is choosing to worship the gods of those nations. So in 19 through 26, Isaiah calls out their foolishness. The foolishness of serving idols. Even the poorest of people are spending good money. They're saving up their money and buying the best that their money can buy to make idols. 
And Isaiah asks him, why are you going to choose to serve something that has to be made when you can serve the one who made everything? That does not make sense. And he calls out their foolishness. And the chapter ends with those familiar verses that many people, some of you, it's your life verse. And it's all about the reward that comes for people who trust in God and not in idols. God is coming. He's coming to feed his flock. He's greater than all gods. Stop trusting in your idols. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But how can Israel know? How can Israel know that their trust is going to be rewarded in the future? Because right now, enemies are bearing down. Right now, captivity is looming. Right now, Babylon is coming. But God is telling them, trust me. And if you trust me, you'll make it through. Jeremiah even tells them, go with them to Babylon. Make houses there. Get a job. Just take your punishment, and then you'll come back. That doesn't make sense to them. God is saying, trust me when Babylon is knocking at the door. How can they know that God is trustworthy? And God says, well, all you have to do is look in your past. Look at where I've brought you through your past, and you'll know that I will be there for you in the future. Chapter 41, verse 1 through 7, he calls all the nations to remember how he brought Israel from Abraham, from one man, to the nation that they are now. He said, I've given you victory, I've given you growth, I've given you a reputation. Nations joined together to take you out and you defeated them. Well, what he says is I defeated them with you. And God promises in verse 8 through 20, as I was with you then, I will be with you in the future. And again, he calls out the foolishness of idolatry and I love this. He says, see if your idols can predict what the future will bring. Which one of the heathen gods can, and God says this, which one of the heathen gods can show the things that are to come hereafter? He says, nobody can do that but me. Look in verse 24. He says to those heathen gods, behold, ye are of nothing, and your work of naught. An abomination is he that chooseth you. Now to prove his point even further, God does what he just said none of the other gods are able to do. He predicts what's going to happen in the future. He says in verse 25, I have raised up one from the north, and he shall come from the rising of the sun. What direction is that? East. From the rising of the sun shall he call upon my name. Someone is coming from the north and the east. And he says this, he is going to, number one, destroy Israel's enemies. And number two, he says he will bring good tidings to Jerusalem. Now bring out your map for me. Look at your map. This is how amazing God is. Assyria is the major power right now. Babylon is up and coming. So when God says, I have raised up one from the north, who is Israel going to think about? Who's Judah going to think about? Well, who's to the north? Well, that's Assyria. But then he says, I'm going to raise up somebody from the east. So then they're looking, and maybe that's Babylon. So Assyria can come from the north, and Babylon can come from the east, but God says someone is going to come from the north and the east. 
There's only one kingdom that would be able to do that. Media to the north would have to merge with Persia to the east. And that's exactly what happens. Cyrus, the king of Media and Persia, overtakes Babylon in one night. God predicts exactly what is going to happen. His prediction continues in chapter 42. And God introduces us to somebody called the servant. Now, scattered throughout Isaiah, this is important. Scattered throughout Isaiah, God also refers to the nation of Israel as a whole as his servant. Just look at chapter 41, verse uh, 8 and 9. But thou, O Israel, or but thou, Israel, art my servant. He says it again in verse 9 towards the end. And said unto thee, thou art my servant. I have chosen thee and not cast thee away. But in chapter 42, he's obviously talking about a specific person. Because originally, Israel was supposed to be God's servant to the nations, but they failed. So now God says, I'm going to send another servant to do what Israel has failed to do as a nation. This servant is going to be chosen by God, just like Israel was chosen. He says, my spirit will be upon him in verse 1. Uh, he says, he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. However, he will not do so by force. When Israel first hears judgment to the Gentiles, they're thinking conquering the Gentiles. But he's not going to do it by force. Look in verse 3 and 4. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth. And the isles shall wait for his law. Look in verse 6. I, the Lord, this is the Lord talking to his servant. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. You know who that servant is. They didn't at this point. Verse 10 through 18, Isaiah calls for all the earth to praise God for what he will accomplish through this obedient servant. But then, in a very drastic contrast, he calls out the disobedience of God's original servant, Israel. Remember how God compared his punishment to a fire? Look at verse 25. Therefore he hath poured upon him the fury of his anger and the strength of the battle, and it hath set him on fire right round about, yet he knew it not, and it burned him, yet he laid it not to heart. Israel completely ignored God's punishments. But now, chapter 43 begins, but now fear not, for I have redeemed thee. God had first punished them, but now he would redeem them. And look what he says in verse four. When thou walkest through the fire, Thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Israel's captivity is going to one day end, and God would gather his people again. And when the nations see that Isaiah's prophecies are coming true, they will know that God is God alone. Israel and the nations are all worshiping their idols. But in chapter 43, verse 15, look at what God says. I am the Lord, and I'm going to prove that to you. I am the Lord. I am your Holy One. 
I am the creator of Israel. I am your king. And God says throughout the rest of the chapter, I allowed Babylon to conquer you in order to punish your sins. But now, I'm going to deal with your sin in another way. And in verse 18 through 28, God starts describing this new thing. This new thing that he is going to do in verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. He says, I will make a way in the wilderness. I will make rivers in the desert. Israel has not obeyed my law, he says in verse 22. Israel has not obeyed my law. All you've done is sin and sin and sin, and that is why captivity came, but now I'm going to do a new thing. Look at verse 23. Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings, which they were supposed to do. Neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices, which they were supposed to do. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Remember what God said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Verse 24, thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices, but thou hast made me to serve with thy sins. Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. What is God going to do about it? Well, he's punishing them to begin with, but what's the new thing he's going to do? Verse 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. That's grace. Said, I'm, it's not going to be law anymore. One day, I'm going to do a new thing and I'm going to give you grace. Even though you've done nothing to deserve it, that's why it's called grace, I'm going to do a new thing with your sin. Now, such love would be difficult for anybody to understand, but God assures them in chapter 44. He says, I'm God. I'm the first and the last. Beside me there is no God. Look in 44 verse 8. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. I love how God gets sarcastic a little bit. Show me another God. I don't know of any. You show me. So when God, God is saying, so when I tell you I am going to blot out your transgressions, not for anything that you have done, but for mine own sake, you may not understand it, but you can count on it. Because once I set something in motion, nobody can reverse it. Who can reverse what almighty God has set in order? And he says, your puny God sure can't. Your little idols sure can't. He, I really want to read the whole chapter, but we're not going to. Will you read chapter 44? He calls out these people who go to the woods and chop down a tree. And they take a portion of the tree and they put it in the fire to keep them warm. And then they take another portion of the tree and they cut it up a little bit smaller so that they can cook with it. And then they have a little branch left of the tree and they carve a god out of it and they worship it. It's like, what in the world? Does that make any sense to you? It's like nobody can see the fact. I think it's in verse 20. Oh, no, verse, um, verse 19. None considereth in his heart, neither is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I've burned part of it in the fire. Yea, I've also baked bread upon the coals thereof. I've roasted flesh and eaten it. And shall I make the residue thereof an abomination? Shall I fall down to the stock of a tree? He feedeth on ashes. 
He says, when idols come between you and me, your heart is deceived. If you think any idol can bring salvation to you, your heart is deceived. And remember, an idol is not just some figurine or a statue. It's anything that we allow to come in between us and God. So when you believe your religion or your good works or something else can bring salvation to you, your heart is deceived. Only God can bring salvation. Only God can see what the future holds. Now in chapter 41, he said, I'm bringing someone from the north and from the east. And if Israel just would have looked at a map, they would have seen, oh, it must be meeting in Persia. But now he goes further. He gives the name. He says his name is going to be Cyrus. And by the way, this doesn't happen for another 150 years said his name is going to be Cyrus. He's going to come from Media and Persia, and he's going to do these two things. It says he will allow Jerusalem and the temple to be rebuilt. And the prophecy of Cyrus continues in chapter 45. God explains how he will raise Cyrus up, allow him to conquer, but not because Cyrus is some great person. He's only doing it for Israel's sake. And in verse 13, he says, Cyrus will build my city, and Cyrus will let go my captives. That is why I'm bringing him up. And one day, in that day, can we say, in that day, not just Israel, but all nations will acknowledge that Jehovah is God alone. All are going to be ashamed of their idols. Everybody will see that besides God, there is no Savior. Look in chapter 45, verse 22 and 23. I wanted to read these. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Show me an idol that can say that. Can Baal say that? Can Nebo say that? You say, I don't even know who Nebo is. Well, that's what chapter 46 is. He says, no, Baal can't say that. Baal boweth down. Nebo stupeth. Those are both Babylonian gods. I want to read this whole chapter too. We're going to. Chapter 46. It's just 13 verses. Follow along with me. I'm going to read fast. Baal boweth down. Nebo stupeth. Their idols were... Their idols. Whose idols? Israel's idols. Their idols were upon the beasts and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaden. They are, bare, they are burdened uh, to the weary beast. They stoop. They bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnants of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age, I am he. And even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and deliver you. To whom will ye liken me and make me equal and compare me, compare me that we may be like? They lavish gold out of the bag and waste silver in the balance and hire a goldsmith and he maketh it a god. They fall down, yea, they worship. They bear him upon the shoulder. They carry him and set him in his place and he standeth. From his place he shall not remove. Yea, one shall cry unto him, yet he cannot answer nor save him out of his trouble. Remember this and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. 
and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, that's Babylon, yea, I have spoken it, and I will bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted that are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry. And I will place salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. Can I paraphrase that? God said, Israel is going to carry their false gods into captivity, but I am going to carry Israel out. That's good. What a glorious truth. Every idol that you bring into your life, you have to carry. But trust in the Lord and he will carry you. That's a good truth. Now at this point, we have to think about what is happening in history. Assyria is the major power to the north. Um, but Isaiah has, uh, has prophesied to Hezekiah in chapter 39 that Babylon is going to take Judah captive. Assyria isn't. Babylon is going to. Therefore, if Cyrus is going to let Israel go, let Judah go from captivity, that means Babylon has to fall. And that's what chapter 47 is all about. Babylon will be brought down. The only reason they were brought up was to bring punishment to his people. But as God raised them up, they, they become prideful. They took all the glory for themselves. So God, so God foretells that Babylon will be completely destroyed and there will be no escape for it. In chapter 48, God calls for Israel's attention. God's people have served him with a false religion, he says. You've lived in wickedness. You have not lived in righteousness. And God has purposefully used the prophecies of Isaiah to show his people that he is God alone. Look in verse 5. I have even from the beginning declared it to thee. Before it came to pass, I showed it thee, lest thou shouldest say, Mine idol hath done them, and my graven image, and my molten image has commanded them. God is proving over and over that he's the only God, but still Israel was proud and rebellious. And that's why if Israel was going to be restored from captivity, it would need to be done by grace because Israel didn't deserve it. And he says, watch for Babylon to fall. When you see Babylon fall, you will know that my word is true. Look in verse 18 and 19. Oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments. Then had thy peace been as a river and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea, thy seed also had been as the sand and the offspring of thy bowels like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. If Israel just would have obeyed, all of this would have been avoided. Even though captivity was a mess of their own making, God in his grace would still restore them. So we can clearly see, and we're, we moved right along, but now I want to apply it. What does it mean for us? What is God saying to Israel in these, is that eight chapters, nine chapters? What is he saying in these chapters that rings true for us? 
clearly in here we see this message of consolation through restoration. But God is making it clear. This restoration is not for your, because of your merit. This restoration is for my name's sake. And he says over and over. Now, look, just because we're through the chapter doesn't mean I'm done. Watch, watch up here. Watch up here. Stick with me. He says, I don't want you to think for one moment when Babylon falls and Cyrus tells you to go back and rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. Don't you think for one moment that your idols did that for you? I am the one who did it for you. I am the one who's telling you everything that is going to happen. It was their false idols that brought captivity to begin with. He says, don't you think for one moment that you're, they're delivering you from it? Now, certainly a large sin that Israel had was their pride. And God addresses that all throughout Isaiah, not just part one. But another sin that accompanied this sin of pride was the sin of idolatry. Why do we need God when we have our idols? That's based in pride. And it's no accident that God, the first commandment that God gives his people is what? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Moses and Joshua warned them before they came into the promised land. What did he say? You are not going to get into Canaan and start worshiping their gods. He said, when you find them in their house, don't even melt them down and keep the gold. Destroy them completely. What did Joshua say? Choose you this day whom you will serve. Before we go over there, you're choosing now. Are you going to choose to serve the gods from your fathers on the other side of the flood or the Amorites in whose land ye dwell? I choose to serve the Lord. And they said, we will do that as well. But what a shame. It took 70 years of captivity to get it through his people that he was God and God alone. And it worked. Israel has never worshipped another god. Ever since captivity, they've never worshipped another god. Through the preaching and prophecies of Isaiah, God is hammering home this idea to his people. Idols can never do for you what I can do for you. So stop letting things come between you and me. Don't let anything take my place in your heart. He says in chapter 43, verse 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. All right, let's apply it. Perhaps we don't have a little figurine in our home that we bow down before. Perhaps we don't, at least I hope you don't. <laughs> Perhaps we don't have a statue that we pray to. Every, it breaks my heart. Every single morning that we pick up these, these kids for the academy, I see, I see cars parked out in front of that statue on Everhart. And, and, uh, and Yorktown. And they're sitting on the bench. Some are even kneeling before it. An idol doesn't have to be a statue. It doesn't have to be a figurine. It is anything or anyone that sits as king of our hearts besides God. An idol is anything or anyone that receives our attention and our praise besides God. An idol is anything or anyone that comes between us and the one who redeemed us by his grace. 
Think of all that God has done for us. Think of how he has restored what we lost in sin, not because we deserve it, but for his name's sake, he did that. How could we take our eyes off him and love another or ascribe greatness to another or think more of another or seek companionship with another? But it happens all the time because this world is filled with idols. So I want to illustrate. Here's an idol. My work. I don't know how many times work comes between people and the Lord. What's my next one here? Woe is me. I told my wife the other day, I said, I'm so sick of this thing. And so she went on there, and there's a little setting called screen time. And she said a passcode, and she said, dun, 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 dun. I can do nothing with this phone except email, text, and check the weather, basically. <laughs> I can't do anything. But you know what? I'm sick. I'm sick. I don't want this to come between me and the Lord. I, I, my desire, the Lord knows the desire of my heart, but this stupid thing is constantly, you kneel down and you just want to pray, Lord, I want to spend, bing! That's why, look, look, I understand you can get your Bible on this, but church, bring your Bible to church. Amen. Bring the book to church. Here's one. Social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Some of you are still on MySpace, for goodness sake. What else we got? Oh, man. Our sports. Focus in, focus in. Our sports. Come on, Pastor, hurry up. Game's on. I don't have time. I don't have time for a man who can sit in front of a screen and scream at the top of his lungs for a bunch of thugs and drug addicts and adulterers and will sit in church and not say a word or won't lift their voice for the Lord Jesus Christ. I have no time for that man. And it's ladies too. This is a hard one. But I know when we get to glory, that sea of glass will We'll play this plenty, so I don't need it down here. <laughs> People are spending time with their cars all the time. Spending all their money on cars. Money. There's none in there, but, you know, money. <laughs> family. Can family be an idol? Oh, yeah. You know what? I'll tell you, one of the biggest idols are the little kids crying in that nursery down the hallway. Some of the biggest idols that Christians have are their little children. That God gave you 
God didn't give those kids to you. God gave you to those children to lead them to the Lord. He didn't give those children to you to take you away from the Lord. You're not going to come out soul winning on Saturday because little Junior has a baseball game. You tell little Junior, baseball did not die for your sins. I'm trying to prove a point here. You're saying, why don't you just put it in your pocket? I'm trying to prove a point. <laughs> education. Look, I am all for education, but I'm getting real sick of people getting educated out of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Kids go to college believing everything that that Bible says, and then one little curmudgeonly professor says a couple things. Oh, you believe the Bible? And suddenly they're an evolutionist. My friends did that. My friends did that. I can name friend after friend who, who were solid as can be, at least you thought, and they go off to college and they get educated out of their faith. I'm all for education. I, I get that. We should be ever learning. But don't you dare let education come between you and your faith. Oh, I lost my money. Oh, I went bankrupt. Oh, I pulled something. What did I grab? Sleep? Love not sleep. Let not slumber come to your eyelids. How many times have we missed a morning with the Lord? Jeremy? Come on, man. Oh, goodness. I don't know how this is going to work, but you're just going to have to do it. Okay. Hold up. Hold up. I'm trying to get my football. Whew. One, two, three. I think you're, I think you're, oh, Brother Rusty. Thank you. Don't block my mic. Don't block my mic. I got to have my friends. Got to have my friends with me. Now listen, listen, listen. I know that this is ridiculous, but I'm going somewhere. Stick with me, okay? Oh, man. I'm glad I chose you and not Ethan. Get up higher. <laughs> straddle, straddle, straddle. You got to help me here. Here we go. Okay. Look. These things, these things in and of themselves, not, they're not wrong in and of themselves. Some of these things are necessary. You need to get an education. You need to have a job. Don't go into your boss tomorrow. My pastor said I don't need you. You're an idol. You're a false idol. No. We need some of these things. Listen, I don't mind you sitting in front of a game every now and then. That's fine. I don't mind you going outside and playing with your kids. I don't mind you having friends. All of that stuff. But, but here's the thing. The moment that these things start to come in between us and the Lord, they are an idol. And that's why in our Christian race, get up, man. Get up. You're sliding. I have got no hips. You got to help me. In our Christian race, 
The Bible says you need to lay aside your sin. The things that are obviously wrong, you need to lay them aside. But then the things that may not be sin in and of themselves, of all the words that the Lord could have used, what did he say? Lay aside every, and I wish I could right now. <laughs> and if you're walking along in your Christian race trying to keep all, all your idols, listen to me. Oh my goodness. No, 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 no. <laughs> There are some friends worth losing. <laughs> Listen, in your Christian race, and you're trying to live for the Lord, but you want to have all your idols with you, no wonder you're always weary. No wonder you're always tired. No wonder you're always discouraged. No wonder you're always defeated because you're spending all your time trying to carry your idols instead of letting the Lord carry you. Sit down. So Isaiah says over and over and over throughout, why, why are you going to kneel before these things when you can kneel before the king? Why are you going to carry these weights all throughout your life when the Lord will carry you? What's the invitation? Give your idols up. This has been a tiring year, I get that. We're going to have tiring times, the Lord grew tired. Disciples grew tired. Elijah grew tired. But we can't be surprised when we, Lord, I'll be right there, but i got to bring all my idols with me. No wonder we're always exhausted. No wonder we're always defeated. He said, lay aside every weight and look unto Jesus. And Israel is going to have to learn that lesson the hard way. So what is it with you? Is it your friends? Friends who are taking you away from the Lord rather than pushing you toward him, drop them. Drop them. Like first period French class, drop them. You don't need them. You don't need them. Is it sports? Drop it. Is it your work? Hey, I understand work. But when the boss comes and he says, I need you to work Sunday, you look back and you say, no. No, I go to church Sunday. You know how many times, you know how many times I had to go into work on Sunday? One time. And I had always told my boss, now, now please, let me take a step back here. There are some, you have talked to me and you said, I have tried everything. I've tried everything. And they're making me work. I, I've never been in that position. I've never been in that position. I'm sorry. I don't, I've just never had to deal with it. I don't know what that is like. But I told my boss, I'm never going to work on Sunday. But one Sunday, he called me. And he said, I need you to work today. And I, I gave in. And guess, what, guess who was calling me the next Sunday? And I said, no, I told you I'm not working on Sunday. He said, you worked last Sunday, so it's obviously not that important to you. I learned my lesson. Is it work? Is it education? Get your education. But you know what? We need more people studying the Bible. That's what we need. 
Is it social media? Log out. Log out. We're watching filth, following filth, posting filth. Log out. You don't need it. There is no bigger troublemaker than social media. Is it sleep? Ugh. Is it your car? I don't know what it is. You do. Lay it down. Pick up your walk with Christ again. Lay it down and pick up your prayer life again. Lay it down and pick up your faithfulness to church again. Lay it down and pick up your obedience again. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.